0: Talk about cheese fries. Talk about your dick. Talk about your dick and cheese fries. We don't. As, uh, fries.
1: Sounds Tyler, like Tyler you likes like, to
0: fuck cheese fries.
1: It sounds that way. Kind of <laughs> scary, there, man. Got a got an unwholesome attraction to spuds, man.
2: Tonight, in the yeah. Big Cave, uh, yeah. we have the guy I've been chatting with for the past five minutes, a fellow geek, a movie buff, starting to write his own movie reviews, which I know is one of the, the hardest things ever to do, my good old friend, uh, Ben Rakowski.
1: Well, thank you very much, uh, Eric. It's a pleasure to be here on the Big Cave, and let's do this.
2: Uh, Honored to have you. So where do, where do you want to start? Actually, I'll tell you the last movie I saw, The Martian. It-
1: Okay, I haven't had the chance to see that yet. So, unfortunately, we're going to have to skip that. I do apologize. Maybe no, no, next can, time we, can we can skip can, The Martian. Uh, the last movie I saw was The Walk. I don't know if you've seen that yet. And then the one I saw before, and the one I saw after that was Scarico. And then I've also seen Black Mass.
2: Okay, I haven't seen any of those three. However, <laughs> I have seen the documentary that The Walk is. Not based, based on, on, or the the story in the documentary is what the walk yeah. is based on, and the walk is Zemeckis, right?
1: That is correct.
2: Ouch! Uh, we're going to have to go see that then.
1: You you should. I mean, tell me it, a little it,
2: bit about it. Does it do? Did you see the doc?
1: I have seen the doc. Uh, I'm going to probably be like hearsay over here. I like the movie better than I like the doc. They're both wow. excellent. Um, well, it's just I'm a huge Zemeckis fan. I don't think he gets the pub that he deserves. You know, here... Well, to be I know, fair,
2: what, what's the last thing he directed uh, before this?
1: Flight. With uh, Denzel.
2: Oh, Flight. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I, I didn't know that was him.
1: Yeah. See, everybody, everybody thinks that Zemeckis is like the ultimate technical director, that all he does is like special effects. But I ask you, any guy that can pull off Back to the Future, the Back to the Future trilogy, who can pull off uh, Roger Rabbit, and I know Forrest Gump gets its, gets its bumps, deservedly, deservedly not, depending on where you fall on the coolness scale. But any guy that can pull that off clearly is more than a technical director. Clearly he has skill with actors.
0: So I
2: you gotta, agree. I, um, and, and Forrest Gump gets bashed on by me because it did not deserve Best Picture over Pulp Fiction. Well, but that's, here's the That's thing. the only reason I hate on it.
1: Okay, here, but here's the thing, and I, I'm glad you brought that up. And everybody gets upset with the Academy. Oh, what is in the Academy? The Academy wasn't set up to give it to the most populous film. Okay. The Academy was set up to recognize excellence, not necessarily on a technical level, but on an artistic level. See what they originally did and what they should have stuck with was when they very first did the very first Academy Awards in 1927, which took a grand total of like five minutes they had two separate categories. They had best picture, and that went to the most populous picture. And that was a film called Wings. And it was considered like the modern – it was considered like Top Gun back then. And it was this war film and took place during World War One. And then they had another film. I forget what the official title of it was. And it, won, it also won what was considered best picture, and it was called Sunrise. And it was more of what we consider an academy film. It had all this pub and it had all this – technical stuff and it didn't make any money but because it brought uh an artistic stature to the statue to the studio it was at it won. For whatever reason they got away from that and they went to the system they had now which in my opinion was a big mistake.
2: Okay, so do you think that uh do you like the old school six best picture noms or do you like now that like 40 pictures get nominated? <laughs> well, here's
1: the here's the irony. It used to be that way back in the day. What they used to do was um uh, They'd say to a studio, okay, because there was like five or six studios back then, okay, you each get a nomination. So if you look like look back like in the 40s, like 10 films would get nominated. And they'd really, really tried to give every studio something to win. And then obviously they realized how expensive that was, how unwielding that was. And so they went back to the system of where it was just five. But then people got upset because films like, Batman, uh, what was it? The Dark Knight Rises didn't get nominated. Again, that's not the mission of the Academy. The mission of the Academy is to get these small artistic films the pub they wouldn't normally get from the general public. So, in that regard, it's a good thing. I understand why the fans get upset because they want their film, which you know is making the money to get the publicity, but that's not the purpose of the Academy.
2: But to be fair, back to, I guess, where this started, do you yeah. think Forrest Gump or Pulp Fiction is a better movie? Because for me, it's Pulp the, Fiction wasn't about popularity. It was about, uh, that's the best movie I saw that year.
1: See, here's the thing. I like both movies. I can see both points of view. It depends on what you want. It really, it really it, that, that's, like that's, that's, old-
2: that's a great point.
1: Okay, Here, here's the thing. Okay, then that, that, that's a perfect example of, of the Academy and how it works depends on what you want do you do you want a dark sort of nihilistic thing that says okay no matter what you're probably going to die if you're in this life you're probably going to die in a violent way and it's not going to make any sense i mean think about it if pulp fiction ended the way a traditional movie's supposed to end it would ended when travolta got shot getting coming out of the bathroom or actually it really should have ended when um uh, when Bruce Willis said, Zed's dead, honey, they're pulling I was about off. to say
2: that the technical end of the movie is Bruce and uh, Chickie riding away on the motorcycle.
1: Okay, so, I mean, so, you know, that's technically. And the only reason I know that was because I was taking a film class at Augusta State, and the teacher actually had us do an exercise, and he goes, okay, I want you to chronologically put Pulp Fiction together. So if you do it chronologically, it begins with Bruce Willis, it ends with Bruce Willis. It begins with Bruce Willis getting a lecture from Christopher Walken about the watch. And technically, that would be the official beginning of it. And then it would end with him saying Zed is dead, honey. Okay. But getting back to what we were talking about, I like both films. Probably what helps Pulp Fiction over Forrest Gump is it's aged better. You know? Because, I mean, Forrest Gump is a great technical achievement. It's a good feel-good movie. It's unofficially the kind of film that the Academy wants to win the Academy award. That's what they're banking on. Cause it had such a feel good message. It had such a high technical achievement. All right. Um, I like them both. I really can't pick between the two of them.
2: That's fair. You
1: know, I, I, you know, I could, and I know that's probably a push. You're probably going to say quit being a pussy and, and, and pick, <laughs> but I'm not going to do that. Um, no, I,
2: I just I was just wondering which one you thought was the better movie. You made a great case for the fact that they're both great movies. They're both in your excellent eyes.
1: and 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 not only that, they have two guys that I mean think about all the contributions that both Zemeckis and Tarantino have made. And think about it. Here we are 20, 21 years later, and they still have big movies coming out. Films that people are dying to see. The Walk and The Hateful Eight. I mean, come on.
2: How excited <laughs> are you for The Hateful Eight? I'm, I'm a huge Tarantino fan.
1: Here's the thing with Tarantino, okay? I was getting really, really tired of the whole pop culture fixture thing. Because, okay, here's the thing. It's okay if you have one character that has, like, this, you know, this whole obsession with pop culture. But really, everybody's going to be that way? I mean, come on. Especially in that, um, what was it, Death Proof? everybody's going to know your reference. No, no, that was getting so old and I was so done with him and I was so glad when he made Inglourious Bastards because that was the kind of film I'd wanted Tarantino to make for a long time. The fact that there were very little pop culture references that I was getting so tired.
2: There was a lot to be fair though. World War II movie homages in that film.
1: No, but what I liked was that he finally got away from the whole crime thing. That was just getting so old. If I had to see one more crime film with him, it's like, come on, dude, you always talk about how you're such a connoisseur of film. Open it up, man. I mean, he was almost in danger of becoming another M. Night Shyamalan. You know, and just... Who I
2: have heard really redeemed himself with his last film. Did you see that? I haven't.
1: I haven't either. Let's be truthful. M. Night Shyamalan painted himself into a box. It's kind of looking like, you know, you know the old the old the old story was, you know, everybody's got one good book in them, all right. Well, in the case of Shyamalan, it looks like he had one good film in him, I and mean, let's to be fair, it's a great film. I uh, I uh, uh, I mean, you know, The Sixth Sense is just a great film. It's a home run that at such a young age, and was he like twenty six, twenty seven when he did that? That you could do such a thing is amazing. The problem is, is that all these Things came to play that he just, apparently, like he has an obsession with water, which I don't understand. Tarantino um, has an
2: obsession with feet.
1: He does, but he, okay. Every, he every makes, director
2: has kind of their little thing, right? I,
1: I know, but here's the thing with him. like, It would be like major motifs, okay? Like, think about it, okay? Signs. Could have been a great film if you don't have that whole stupid ending. So I'm supposed to believe. That this race of aliens has figured out how to, how, you know, how to traverse time and space. Right? They're going to get to a planet. They're not going to send a scout ship. They're not going to send some sort of technology. They're just going to go to this planet. Oh, well, that looks habitable. Take it over and then realize, oh, damn, we're screwed. Three fourths of it is water and it rains and it snows. Really? I'm supposed to buy that? Come on, man. How weak? What kind of weak kind of storytelling is that? Really? Really? Oh, oh, and my son just happens to have asthma, and he just happens to have an attack, so the whole alien mist thing is not going to work. I mean, it just, ah. And the, the sad thing was, that would have been a great film. The you sad could, thing was,
2: it. is that's his third movie, and there's four more shitty ones after Oh, that. I know,
1: I know, and it all, all kind of, you know, comes to a head. Because I village. liked
2: Unbreakable. I'm not going to lie to you guys, I liked I, Unbreakable. Okay, I liked the, Unbreakable a lot, actually.
1: Okay, here's the thing with Unbreakable. So he 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 he's kind of screwed himself. Oh, I got a twist, I got a twist, and you're like, okay, so you if you're like me, I kind of pride myself on when I go into a film and a director, a producer, a writer, or a studio or a critic's like, okay, it's got a twist. See if you can figure it out. So I kind of like to pride myself, and I'm the one that's going to figure it out. And typically I do. What a weak twist. Oh, I was the bad guy all along. Okay, so they've already established that Bruce Willis has extrasensory powers that he can figure out when somebody's like a menace. Why the hell did it take him to five minutes before the movie to, to realize, oh, damn, this guy's a menace. Damn, I shouldn't be helping him. Really? Really? Come on, man. I mean, just very disappointing. Just very, very, very disappointing with Shyamalan. And it's just... I don't
2: know. I still, I still like Unbreakable. I, I don't know. I like the way he did it, but I, I will completely agree with you. He had two decent movies. Six cents, I'd say,
0: decent. Right? I mean, it was good. See, I'll give you guys my opinion. Sixth Go Sense, ahead. Six cents to me. I saw that coming. Okay. No one started interacting with Bruce Willis, but the kid past like the first, first five yeah, minutes but, of the movie. I didn't see it. it.
1: I, I got but you got to think he was like a great magi- uh, magician. The whole thing is the sleight of hand, the the art of you know misillusion and misdirection, and he did a great job with the misdirection in that film. So that's why that film works, okay. And if he doesn't do the whole bit with the whole water thing with the aliens and Signs, that's a great film. I, I agree with you film.
2: there too. The, I I think the majority of Signs is pretty solid.
1: It's well, here's the thing with Shyamalan. He got a huge big ego, and the, and the whole thing kind of came to a head when he was doing that woman in the water. There's a really excellent... That's
2: the last Shyamalan movie I watched, and I watched it in the theater, and someone convinced me to see that over Clerks 2, um. and I will never forgive them.
1: <laughs> well, hey, you want to hear something that's, 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 that's almost as good? So this is, this is going old school on you. So I'm living in Huntsville, Alabama at the time. And you know how every so often, I don't know if they do this anymore, but they used to when we were kids, and you guys probably like this. You give a free canned good to a movie theater they let you see a movie for free, right? So, I've
2: never I have, traded canned corn for a movie ticket. I wish I could have. What?
1: Yeah, that this sounds a, awesome. It is. So, I'm living in Huntsville, Alabama. You could do it there. I, I, don't, I can't remember if you could do it in Augusta, but I remember you could do it a few times in Huntsville, Alabama. So, this is 1986, 1987. So it's me and my brother and my dad. We each get a can good. We go to the movie theater. So you could either I could either have seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off or uh, what's the one with Jennifer Conley about with uh, with uh, David Bowie about her brother getting kidnapped? Labyrinth. Labyrinth. I wisely picked Ferris Bueller's Day Off. My dad picked Labyrinth. Yeah, he still regrets that to this day you know, to be fair, I still haven't seen Labyrinth. Can Labyrinth I tell isn't you?
2: horrible, but Ferris Bueller's Day Off might be in my top five movies of all time.
1: Now, 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 there's a guy. What the hell happened to John Hughes?
2: He died, dude.
1: I know, but I'm saying before that.
2: Oh, like, okay. <laughs> I was about to say, John, John, John Hughes is dead. But uh, what was his no, last well, big film? Uh, Home Alone?
1: I mean, we got to think he pretty much gave up directing. And I remember he he was doing like all those like Disney films that were like, like I remember he did like 101 Dalmatians. He did 102 Dalmatians. Did he really? Yes. He produced those and wrote those. He produced and wrote Flubber with the great late Robin Williams, who we miss. I'm sure Uh, we all miss him.
2: We miss him. Uh, We miss him a lot. Trust me. That, that That was a sad day.
1: And here's what, here's what really, really hurts. So I've been going on Netflix lately and uh, you know, flipping around, trying to figure out what I want to watch. And they have this documentary about him. And it's like, no, you should still be here, dude. I mean, I'll just – I'll never get over What's that.
2: What's it called? I haven't seen
1: that. Um, you know, I wish I knew. It's kind It kind of looks like it's kind of similar to what they do on PBS when they do one of those documentaries about a life or career. It looks like it's similar to that. It looks like it's in an assemblage of his, like, bits – You know, of his TV appearances, so you need to check it out. But now getting back to what I was saying about John Hughes, like, so here's a guy who has the world by the tail, all right, and decides, I don't want to do teen films anymore. I can respect that, but why not, but why not come up with something similar? Why did you go with the whole giant kid living cartoon thing? I mean, what? What your John Hughes? He wrote dude? Home Alone,
2: though, right? Wasn't Home Alone his? Babe? That was him. Yeah, that was
1: him, and that was Chris Columbus. And talk about the luckiest guy in like cinema, Chris Columbus.
2: Yeah, no shit. He's, he's I mean, come, on, a lot of great projects. You know,
1: come on, and I and I'm going to go against the grain here. I saw Pixels. I liked Pixels, but to be fair,
2: you don't play video games.
1: <laughs> I know that that's the irony. But here's but but here's the irony also. I get why the critics didn't like it. And so here's a couple of tweaks you could have made to fix it. So the big, the big, the big, the biggest tweak of all is Kevin James is the president. I'll grant you that. Make him a secretary of defense because you can have an outlandish, idiot, oafish, you know, cabinet member. People are going to buy that. People would have bought him as the secretary of defense. Obviously, you're not going to buy him as the president. Also, Josh Gad. I'm not going
2: to buy a ticket to his movie. And, you know, go, go into your Josh Gad point because I hate – no, I don't hate. I dislike Josh Gad.
1: What the hell was that? I like, don't I
2: don't like him as an actor. And it's – he's been I, funny I, in, like, New Girl. And he's funny in Book of Mormon, like on Broadway. I don't I think he see sucks. That. But I, I just don't think he's great.
1: Here's the thing. You could have cut that whole character out. And it would have been a much better film. That's kind of sad.
2: Oh, we, did didn't, you, we didn't see Pixels, man. We're self respecting gamers. As soon as we okay. saw the reviews come in, we were like, nope.
1: No, but it, he has this really odd scene where they're doing this whole pep speech to like the Air Force, and he's talking to a black guy, and he slaps his butt and calls him like a newbie, and god. It's like, huh? What? So see, he this, acts like. This gay. is already
2: giving me reasons to uh, <laughs> further. Avoid he acts this like movie. he's gay,
1: but then he's uh, obsessed with this. This uh, this character, a princess somebody who's from some 80s game, who he eventually winds up getting with. So he's not gay, but they imply that he could be gay. It's just really confusing. So, you know, but yeah, Chris Columbus, I mean, golly, talk about the luckiest guy ever. You know how he got his start? No. He wrote some of Spielberg's films. He wrote Gremlins, and he wrote uh, Young Sherlock Holmes.
2: Did Spielberg direct Young Sherlock
1: Holmes? He executive produced it. Who you directed know who it? Directed? I was about to say
2: he didn't direct it, though, right? You know who did
1: direct it, though? Barry Levinson. Wow. Yeah, and that, now that's a film I don't feel gets the love it deserves.
2: I hated that movie. I saw that movie I, in fourth grade, and I hated it. I that
1: movie. And what's really, really cool is is that's considered, that whole scene with the stained glass man, That's considered like the first real true CGI effect. So it does have that going for it. Is is that really the
2: first? No, no, that's probably true. No, I I trust you.
1: No, no, I'm saying, I mean, there have been other examples of CGI, but it was like, you know, not as we know it. Like The argument is it comes down to two films that they say sort of are the forerunner to CGI. They say Star Trek 2 because the whole bit With the whole Genesis Genesis.
2: yeah, I was about to say, the Genesis screen. But is that
1: really, is that really CGI? It's more like computer modeling.
2: I agree, I agree there, but that effect kind of blew me away when I saw it.
1: And then the other one that they say, but it's, to me, again, it's not really, because it's like a combination of things to get there, is Tron. But I mean, for Tron, you got, you got backlight, you got... You know, rotoscoping. I mean, you can make an argument.
2: Wasn't Tron it, a lot of practical effects too?
1: That's what I'm saying. So that's what I'm saying. So I mean, I mean, there are elements of CGI in it, but if you think about it as a pure practical, okay, this can only be achieved with CGI, you gotta say that stained glass man and young Sherlock Holmes probably really is the first true CGI effect as you and I and everybody who appreciates CGI would know it. So it's got that going for it. And then the cool thing was, did you see that Mr. Holmes with Sir Ian McKellar?
2: No, I didn't. I've seen the BBC series, but I did. I missed Mr. Holmes when it was in the theaters.
1: So the cool thing is the guy that played uh, young Sherlock Holmes is an homage to him. What's really, really cool is Sherlock Holmes Goes to a movie and it's it's about him and they had the guy that played him and the young Sherlock Holmes playing Sherlock Holmes in the movie, so that's that was awesome. His name is Nicholas Rowe. Is his name? So there you go. There's a and and and, and Mr. Holmes. It's 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 not bad. You know, it's really should have been uh, a BBC movie, but that's okay. But speaking of the ones with. Benedict Cumberbatch, whom I'm a huge, huge fan of. I'm assuming you are.
2: Uh, a fan of the actor or a fan of that Sherlock? Both. Um, <laughs> uh, I love that Sherlock.
1: But you don't like Benedict Cumberbatch? No,
2: no, no. I like him as anybody except Khan.
1: Thank you. See, I was just going to ask you that. Okay, perfect. Okay. so That might did... be
2: the my least favorite movie of the past decade.
1: <laughs> really? I yes. was disappointed with it. But here's the thing. All right. So I knew the second they rebooted it, Khan's coming in. We all knew this. You knew it was coming. It only made sense. So I've given this careful thought and consideration. You know who should have been Khan, and he would have killed it, and I don't know why they didn't get him? Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Okay. And the reason I say Jeffrey Dean Morgan, you, you, you seem kind of a taken back. So I'll explain no, my no, reason.
2: I, I, uh, I'm just trying to picture him in my head. I know exactly who you're talking about, but I'm trying to picture him as Khan.
1: Well, you think about it. Khan's this big, burly guy. What is Jeffrey Dean Morgan? A Jeffrey Dean Morgan. He's a guy. big, burly guy. Okay. What, 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 what's one of the things that everybody remembers about Khan? That great voice of his that could be menacing, that could be teasing, that could be pleasing. What does Jeffrey Dean Morgan do with that awesome voice of his? He's all those things. Plus, one of the important things about Khan that totally got glossed over was... He's a minority. Yes. Okay. Okay. And the thing was, if anybody who's familiar or unfamiliar with the backstory of Khan, we're not going to get into it. We're not going to go that science fiction geeky on you folks. Sorry. Maybe that's another story for another time. But the backstory was he was in the Asian world of the world. He was in the Middle East and all that thing. So it made sense that a minority actor such as a Ricardo Montalban would play him. Jeffrey Dean Morgan, does he not look kind of like a minority? Doesn't he kind of look? Cause kind of Khan was Khan's
2: Indian, right?
1: He's yeah. He's like, he's from like the middle East basically. He's, Khan and you
2: know? Singh.
1: Khan and Singh. Exactly. He's Indian. He's, he's Asian. Well, I mean, look at Jeffrey Dean Morgan. He looks like he could be that way. So that was an important part of the character they glossed over. And let's be truthful. Benedict Cumberbatch, an amazing actor, totally talented, loved him. And, um, that movie about the Enigma, what was that called?
2: Uh, source code.
1: Not Source code. Um,
2: Shit, I know what you're uh, talking about.
1: I just saw it and it was amazing. And hold on a second, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go am gonna go, uh, Imitation Game.
2: There you go. Thank you.
1: Imitation Game. All right. So he was amazing in Imitation Game. But here's the thing with Khan. Okay, Khan's supposed to be, pardon the language, a badass. I love Benedict Cumberbatch. Pardon Not the a language. badass.
2: You dropped like a hundred f bombs.
1: <laughs> did I really? No, <laughs> no, no.
2: I'm just saying. Like, you don't have to worry about saying ass on 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 the on in the cave, man.
1: Well, good, good, good. So here's the thing. He's supposed to be a badass. I love Benedict Cumberbatch. Amazing and talented guy. Not a badass. Not a badass. No. That's an as an essential part of the whole con character. That's what made him such an intriguing antagonist. Was because. This guy is superior in every way. He's smarter than you. He's faster than you. He's stronger than you. And he's got these loyal followers. I just can't see Benedict Cumberbatch being the kind of guy that you would follow to your death. I mean, I, mean, I, don't, I don't see him inspiring that kind of loyalty. The way that the great late Ricardo Monoban portrayed him, I'd follow that guy. Wouldn't you?
2: Oh, I'd follow him to Fantasy Island and
1: back. That's what I'm saying. So... <laughs> But no, and then and, and we, you and I talk about this. So this is something my brother and I have been talking about, and he would appreciate this. How come Nicholas Meyer doesn't get the love that he should
2: get? He never does, and and he never and he, does. He brought together Sherlock and Star ever, Trek. He wrote a Star a uh, Sherlock book and directed arguably it? the three. Yeah, I own it.
1: The uh, uh, ten percent solution,
2: right? Uh, seven and a half. Seven percent. and a half percent solution. Yeah. No, no yeah, yeah, he
1: wrote two. He wrote two other Sherlock Holmes books. Um, they're not. I've only read one of them, from what I understand, the third one. But there's a guy that doesn't get any love. I mean, if you think about it, he's kind of the godfather of pop culture. Like, me and my brother were talking about this not too long ago. I mean, he kind of was like the 70s answer to Josh Whedon.
2: He turned Star Trek into less of a space adventure on the ship and more of like... Um... So not, not a space adventure. He turned it from the army into the Navy.
1: And well, that's. The, and now here's the irony. That was the intent all along. Like if you go back and read, and I'm not a huge Trekker. I only keep up with the original. You
2: say I, Trekker, you obviously are a little bit of a fan.
1: <laughs> well, I know I'm supposed to say Trekkie. I got a good friend of mine who is a diehard Trekker Trekkie who, you guys would appreciate this, for his junior and senior yearbook pictures, wore the outfit from uh, the Star Trek movies with Kirk in both his se- junior and senior yearbook pictures. The, so you yellow, the, admire uh, the yellow shirt or the, the No, maroon. he wore the red the with, maroon. The, with, the, with the white turtleneck.
2: Oh, yeah, the maroon with the flap that had exactly. spots blood on it. Or, uh, the,
1: exactly. Yeah. you, know, you got to appreciate that guy. But now, getting back to what we were talking about with with uh, Meyer. So here's a guy who, like we have both said, resurrected Sherlock Holmes, because Holmes was pretty much dead in the 70s, Agreed. comes with the brilliant idea of teaming him up with Sigmund Freud. And, and, and I know I'm going to sound like the typical person here. Yeah, the book's much better than the movie. If you, but if you haven't seen the movie, folks, do yourself a favor. See it, if for no other reason. You get to see Robert Duvall as Dr. Watson. And that not
2: I haven't seen the. Th- dude, thanks for coming on the cast only to tell me about this flick because I will definitely watch this. You've never seen it? No, I have not.
1: Oh, it's excellent. Yeah, it's got uh, Nicole Williamson, who was this big British actor. They all thought he was going to follow in the footsteps of Gilgood and Burton because he was a big tradu on Broadway. He played Hamlet. And uh, so you've read the book. You mind if I go spoiler on you? Is that going to ruin anything if I go spoiler on you with, with the movie?
2: No, not at all. Tell me.
1: Okay. So in the book, for those who haven't read it, for those who don't know what we're talking about, seven and a half percent solution is this wonderful book by the very talented Nicholas Meyer, who should get way more love as my cohort was agreeing with me, in which, as anybody who knows Sherlock Holmes, he would do cocaine when he wasn't having a case to fight off boredom. How that helps you fight off boredom, I don't know. But in his case, apparently it did. So Dr. Watson has left him at this time. Dr. Watson is married. Dr. Watson is worried about how are we going to get Holmes out of this when he comes across an article from Sigmund Freud saying, I can cure you of cocaine, so they go to Vienna. So in the book, they have to stop World War I from happening. In the movie basically what it is is it's that there's this woman who was also a cocaine addict played by Vanessa Redgrave. I don't know who, if you know who that is. Uh, Yummy. Um, This is like the year before she won the Academy Award for Julia. She plays this, um, plays this uh, gosh, opera singer named uh, Devoline who uh, Sigmund Freud cured of cocaine addiction. This guy who's a baron, Uh, gets into gambling debts and he uses her as her marker why you'd use another woman as a marker I don't know but he does that's the difference between the movie but it's really really cool because you'll appreciate this there is a sword duel on top of a moving train
2: and uh, who doesn't love a sword duel on top of a moving train Well, I'm just saying who doesn't love
1: a good sword duel Uh, but I'm just saying but yeah that's a movie you should definitely check out that's what got Nicholas Meyer into feature films was he sold the rights to that on, but only on the basis that he get to write the screenplay? The screenplay got nominated for best for best screenplay. He didn't win, and then he did time after time. Have you ever seen Time After Time?
2: No. The, the The only Nicholas Meyer movies I know are Trek Two, Trek Four, and Trek Six.
1: Now you know he didn't. You know now you know he didn't direct Trek Four. You do know that, right? Nimoy or Nimoy
2: directed Trek. Come on, son.
1: Okay, I'm just making sure. So, time after
2: you're you're talking to you're talking to an original original Trek fan. Like, I know the original series and the movies pretty well.
1: Okay, all right. So, this is another one. This and again, this just shows how pop culture savvy and the kind of landscape he had cultivated. Okay. So, time after time, it's it's a good film. The setup's gonna the setup's way better than the actual movie, but it's got a stellar cast. It's got Malcolm McDowell playing a good guy. Put wow. that, that Run that through your uh, memory banks there. It's got David Warner. Who doesn't love David Warner? Playing a bad guy. And poor guy. like He always plays a bad guy. And then it's got Mary Steenburgen in it.
2: I love me some Mary Steenburgen.
1: And this was the year before she won the Academy. Did you know she's an Academy Award winner?
2: For what movie?
1: Harold and Melvin, which is about this guy named Marvin Udell who claimed that uh, Howard Hughes left him in his estate, and it was later proven that it wasn't true. Jonathan Demme film. You might want to check it out. I was, Definitely. I have a feeling you probably like Jonathan Demme.
2: I'm, yeah, a marginal fan. Yes.
1: Okay, so getting back to Time After Time. So time After Time, It's this, and here's, here's how Time After Time came about. This friend of Nicholas Meyer was inspired by the 7.5% Solution. So he wrote a treatment for a novel, which Meyer, once the film was made, Meyer helped him flesh it out and turn it into a novel. So, the, so the, the idea, the story behind Time After Time is H.G. Wells actually builds the time machine. And it's similar to the time machine in the same movie, the time machine, which George Paul did in the 60s. So unbeknownst to him, he's friends with Jack the Ripper. And in this particular version, Jack the Ripper, because everybody talks about You know, Jack the Ripper must have had medical skills because his cuts were so precise. So in this version, Jack the Ripper is a surgeon played by David Warner. So Scotland Yard is closing in. David Warner uses the time machine and he winds up in 1970s San Francisco because that's when the film was shot. The film came out in 79. So you're like, well, if they're in jolly old England, how do they get to San Francisco? And this is, again, where Meyer was ahead of his time. The Time Machine was in a traveling exhibit in San Francisco. So that's how... That's awesome. That's how H.G. Wells and Jack the Ripper wind up in San Francisco in the 1970s. So Jack the Ripper takes him no time to adapt. He's got the modern clothes of the 70s. He's picking up women. He's killing them. H.G. Wells is stuck in his 18th, 19th, 19th century way of thinking. And Mary Steenburgen is this woman who works at the Bank of England who Jack the Ripper goes to to exchange his British pounds for American currency and it kind of goes from there. So it's it's worth checking out. That's the film that allowed Nicholas Meyer to direct Star Trek 2.
2: And arguably Star Trek 2 one of my also top maybe top 20 films of all time.
1: I now love that movie. How can you not love Star Trek 2? Okay, I'm I'm like I'm going to go on you kids. Star Trek Two hands down is the greatest Star Trek movie ever made. No I disagreement think that's, here. Okay, I'm I'm safe in saying it's probably going to stay that way. And here's why. And here's what I don't get about. I'm
2: it. stoked about Peg writing three or the new three.
1: Well, I, I know I knew what you meant, and yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see if Dallas, however you say his name. As a villain, it'll be interesting to see. I'm psyched,
2: Orky, and uh, what's his name? Robert whatever, or Robert Orky and whoever the other fucker are, are done. I know. They're off. I'm,
1: well, I'm glad. Well, I, 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 and well, and we're going to talk about something like that here in a second. But here's my thing with Star Trek. How come they haven't cracked another top-notch villain outside of Khan? I mean, is that really so hard? Would it be so hard to we're get
2: more? We're getting to
1: Ar- to Idris Elba in three. But is, would it be so hard to get Mark Strong? Really? Is that so hard? Really? Because, I mean, he's kind of like the king of movie villains right now. But um, I
2: think, though, that Trek should not be about... I don't think you're ever going to top Khan, first and foremost. Secondly, well, it,
1: it, Trek should be great, about no. a
2: general problem. Like,
1: that I, you I, have I to overcome,
2: not a guy that you have to beat. Trek was always smarter than Star Wars for me.
1: Well... Well, that's because it's more philosophical than Star Wars.
2: Oh, and exactly. And that's why I think like at the end of the day, we'll see how this next movie goes for Star Wars, but right now if you ask me to pick, the the prequels and into darkness kind of weigh each other out. I'm kind of more of a trekker than I am a a Star Wars fan to be okay, honest. Okay,
1: no no now here's the thing. I like both. I'm not really fall in either camp, but I would as I was more heavily a Star Wars fan. <clears throat> God, what a clusterfuck that was with George Lucas. What the hell, man? Bring in somebody, dude. Seriously. What was that? Do you really need the money that badly that you got to screw up our childhood first with the prequels and then with and then with Indiana Jones 4? Really, George? Are you really that hard up? Tyler is, you- uh,
2: Tyler's younger than us, Ben, by about 10, 12, 15, 17 <laughs> years or whatever. He has never seen Crystal Skull, no. and I am making sure that he never does.
1: Well, here's the sad thing. So my dad and I were on our way to go see it. And my brother, Lucas, the one you know, he had seen it the night before. He's like, you guys need to skip it. Die was cast, man. We were already on our way out of the theater. He warned us. He goes, you're going to hate this. It's boring. It's terrible. Um, And he was right, obviously. In fact, it was so bad, I like blocked out parts of it in my memory. Like I forgot that in the opening sequence when he's in that warehouse, that the ark of the covenant comes out. Like I'd forgotten that cuz I'd so blanked it out of my memory space. But talking about guys, you should have just are, seen
2: the look on Tyler's face cuz he was like, "They fucking really? They did that?"
1: Oh, they did that. They they went there. It's terrible. I now, know has, that's
2: that's he, not a good joke for a podcast, but the look on Tyler's face was priceless, Ben. So good job. All
1: right. So now, we're talking about people that are in over their heads. What the hell is the deal with Zack Snyder? Does he have something on Warner Brothers? Like, what What? does what he got? So, like, I,
2: somebody... I take it you're not a... Uh, let me start with this. Yes. In general, comic book fan, or are you just a comic book movie fan, or do you hate Both. all of it? Both. Both. Okay, you, Both. Love, you love books? Marvel or DC?
1: Marvel, come on, dude. Don't come up with me with this DC stuff. DC's the MGM... Technicolor musicals of comic books. Oh, it's so great being a superhero! Golly, gosh darn, geez! I love being a superhero. No, 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 no one would love being a superhero. That's what makes Marvel so superior. Marvel gets it. Marvel's like, yeah, it would suck being a superhero, but you got to do it. So, that that's that I, that that's where my my take on this. Zack Snyder.
0: That's almost exactly opposite of how I see comic books. To me, DC has been horribly, like, darker. It's been just... Since when? Since always.
1: When? Okay, okay. Look at it. Outside of Batman, everybody got their superheroes and powers in a really cool, interesting way. Okay? Or their skills. I mean, think about it. Batman, I mean, Spider-Man got bitten by a radioactive spider. Daredevil had nuclear waste fall on his eyes. The Fantastic Four were bombarded with cosmic rays. No, we'll we'll talk about that crappy movie here in a minute. Relax, (laughs) I just saw it, so we're going to talk about it. I haven't seen it, actually. Mm -hmm. Have either of you guys seen the crappy movie?
0: Yeah, Eric (laughs) has seen the crappy Fantastic Four.
1: We'll talk about that here in a second, Eric, okay? Um, Okay, so where was I? The Fantastic Four get bombarded with cosmic rays. I mean, these guys did not choose to be superheroes, all right? It wasn't like, I'm an alien from another world, and I'm going to drink in the Earth's sun, and I'm going to become a god. It's not, oh, the ring chose you, so now you're going to have these great adventures. It wasn't, you know what? I'm a bored playboy, and I'm really a skilled archer, so I'm going to use that. I mean, really, the only person that you could maybe say, Maybe didn't have a say in the matter. Would be poor Barry Allen, you know. Yes, getting... I was
2: gonna mention because you're 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 bashing DC, but you're a big Flash fan. I know.
1: I uh, well, yeah. I, I, I don't hate DC. Okay, I, I don't I, either. I, don't...
0: I I like both I just companies, I prefer Marvel. Marvel. Yeah, I, I prefer Marvel. I mean, we're also talking about people like maybe not necessarily a superhero, more of an antihero, but like Red Hood. He was robbing, and then he got... His, I know, I know, he was... He got so killed. They,
1: so, did they, so that is Jason Todd. Yes, Jason I,
0: Todd.
1: Who, and you know, the, you know the reason they killed Jason Todd? Did you ever hear that story?
0: Why? It was
2: the fan vote.
1: It was a fan vote. That was one of the first examples of interactive... Fo- what was that, like... What was that, like... Mm, what, was that, what was that, like, 93, 94, Eric, or sometime in that era? Oh, no, Jason to Todd
2: dying was 80s.
1: Okay, it was eighties. Okay. No, no,
2: no, no, sorry, you're right. No, no, I I think I am right. I think it's like eighty eight.
1: Okay. So Danny O'Neill, who's this famous editor, writer in the in the D, mainly DC universe, he just said, you know what, I'm gonna leave something up to the fans. So what was I think it was a one eight hundred number, one nine hundred number. And like overwhelmingly the fans voted to kill this guy. I think it was 70-30. Like it was it wasn't even close. All right. But I mean, I don't. It's not that I dislike DC. It's just that this is what I find intriguing. So they're talking about so the the way that DC is going to differentiate itself from Marvel is it's well we're darker. But that's not DC. DC's never been darker. Marvel's always been the dark one. Marvel's always been the angst one. Marvel's always. See, but always I'll been-
2: disagree with that though because like. Marvel didn't have a book like The Dark Knight uh, retur- not- Returns, right? Okay, but
1: okay. Again, it always comes down to angst, to Batman. Outside of Batman, in the DC Universe, naming a person or character on the superhero side, not the villain side, who's angst-rid. You can't do it. Almost everybody in the Marvel Universe that we know has some sort of angst, some sort of neuroses. Doesn't really want to be a superhero, but has accepted it. You know, I mean, think about that great line in The Avengers when Tony says to Bruce, it's a terrible privilege. and That kind of sums up the philosophy of Marvel being a superhero. It's a terrible privilege. So that's I, my, now I, that I'm
2: thinking about it, man, I, this, this is making a lot of sense to me, but I think there's more angsty characters in DC. I just don't think I know enough DC.
1: I can see that, but no, but getting back to my original point, what do you think of Zack Snyder?
2: I thought watchmen was amazing i loved 300 okay i thought uh sucker punch was a giant pile of shit man i I'll like sucker
0: that. punch a lot and I, uh, tra- I did
2: not like uh superman i did not like okay. man of steel well i didn't dislike it though i just didn't love it i didn't love it okay. like i liked days of future
0: past i think okay if you took the part where he killed zod out
1: but that's the whole driving point. That's the whole point. He does.
0: I know, but other than that,
2: I Superman love has killed in the comics. No, I know, I That's know. what I've heard.
1: Now, 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 here's my take, okay? And I'm going to go a little different here. I didn't like 300. I thought it was in- visually intriguing. I get why it has such a fan base. I never saw...
2: I'm a big Frank Miller fan.
1: That nah, would make sense. Okay, I never saw Sucker Punch. I was warned by everybody to avoid it because it doesn't make a lick of sense narratively. My personal favorite film of his, and this is probably going to cause some controversy, is Dawn of the Dead.
2: I love and Dawn of Don- the Dead, and written by James Gunn.
1: And, and not only that, Scott Frank co-ro- went back and rewrote it, and he wrote all those great Elroy Leonard films. He was the one that did Get Shorty. Oh, he was Elmore, the one- Elmore
2: Leonard, right?
1: Elmore Leonard, thank you. Thank you for the correction. He's the one who wrote Get Shorty, which is a wonderful film. What's that one with um, Jennifer Lopez and uh, Clooney that everybody thought was going to do something and it didn't? Oh, my God. Uh, out of Sight? Thank you. He did Out of Sight. So that's the best. Like, and there's another writer in there that's well-known. But James Gunn, my God. What a great You know what James has- Gunn,
2: one of James Gunn's first movies is?
1: I know, he, I know he co-wrote the Scooby-Doo movies and he gets a lot of crap for that.
2: Uh, no. Tromeo and Juliet.
1: Okay, so he was part of the whole Tromeo universe. That's Toxic Adventure, correct?
2: Exactly, and uh, Lloyd Kaufman actually has a cameo in Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. He's one of the guys in the prison, but yeah, Gunn started as a trauma dude, and now he's directing one of the, I mean, the biggest movie of last summer, right?
1: One of them. And you know who he used to be married to?
2: No. uh,
1: The girl off, Pam off The Office. That's his ex-wife.
2: Oh, really? Jenna Fisher.
1: Yes, that's his ex-wife.
2: Wow. I did not so, know that.
1: So, I mean, the guy was already killing it in his personal life. Now he's killing it in his professional life. In my opinion, Guardians of the Galaxy, leagues above anything Snyder's ever done. Leagues.
2: I my, Well, no, Watchmen was really good.
1: I like Watchmen, but I wasn't a big fan of the comic book. I've never seen the director's cut, which from what I understand is vastly superior to let's, the theatrical version. Let's kind of take so,
0: a quick look, though, at that. Like, the comic book is entirely different than the movie.
1: Well, aren't they always? Yeah. I mean, aren't they all, I mean name, A lot maybe, of
0: the themes are the same, but I, the opening
2: sequence to Watchmen is still one of the best openings in any movie ever.
1: But see, I was never a big fan of the book. I mean, it's an intriguing book. I get why it was loved, but I I'm, the head-scratcher to me was... Time Magazine, it was like the 50 greatest books of the 20th century, or 100-graded book, whatever number it was, put The Watchmen on there. And it was good, but I don't know if it was that good.
2: I think Which it was. Just, I, I honestly, Ben, at the time was when I just started writing, really, and I read Watchmen, huh? and I didn't write anything for a year because I was like, what's the fucking point? <laughs>
1: so, so he intimidated you. Alan Moore intimidated you that much.
2: Have you You've read it, right? I have. Good God. I have it. The way he puts words together still to this day blows my fucking doors off.
1: But uh, he's such a weirdo. I don't that, care. Like, I so think, are all I the people I love. that's great,
0: yeah. You don't want to know the biggest, like, so movie adaptation of a comic book that, that took it way off base and really flipped it. Other than,
1: other than the Green Lantern? Other than the Green Lantern? God,
0: that movie sucks. So there's a movie that I really like. That took it from a comic book, but the comic book is based off almost an entirely different story. And what's that? Wanted.
1: Is that the one with uh, Angelina Jolie and Morgan Freeman and uh, the guy that played? Oh, God, what's that, guys? The guy that plays... James the young- McAvoy. Thank you. Yes. I've never seen it. I want to. I know they've been oh, talking... Oh, you
2: need to see it. It's good. Jesus, I'll, it's a I, good movie.
1: So, no, no, no. But we were talking about bad comic book adaptations. What <laughs> the hell was the Green Lantern? How the hell do you screw that up? I mean, that's literally, that's $400 million in the U.S. alone. Like, and what kills me is, you know who did that? Greg Bertolani. Does that name sound familiar to you guys?
2: Directed or produced? He,
1: he wrote, co-wrote it and produced it. You know no. who that is? No. That's the guy that does Arrow, Flash, and the upcoming Supergirl. So how do you kill it in the me- in the medium of television and get killed in film? Like, how do you screw that up? Like you how know do you- that
2: we're, we're, it's coming though, that these 17 superhero movies a year, they're going to start sucking. Yeah: Oh, I know.
1: I know, but here's the thing, and I'm glad you brought that up. I don't buy Spielberg's argument that it's going to be like the Western. OK? The Western died for a couple of reasons. One. My God, like you couldn't go anywhere, especially on 60s television, without being a Western. Has there ever been a genre that was overproduced more than the Western?
2: I love gotta, Westerns. I was, <laughs> but and, 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 Westerns,
1: but not old Westerns. But if we're going to talk about Westerns, and I think on some level, what effect did Heaven's Gate have on killing the Western? I'm sure that had some sort of effect on it. What do you guys think?
2: Um... I've never seen Heaven's Gate. I heard it was You've a shit seen... show. But okay.
1: Go what ahead. effect
2: did Tombstone have in reviving the Western?
1: It should have been more. Now now, now now, there's a great question. How the heck did freaking Val Kilmer not win, not the... win the Oscar? <laughs> that is the greatest performance I have ever seen in a movie. Ever. I've got ever. two guns,
2: one for each of you. I fucking love that movie, dude. I love it. No, you're doing
1: it wrong. He goes, it's an Octana. You know, Frederick fucking Chopin. (laughs) Say win, Johnny. Say win. (laughs) You're not a Daisy. You're not a Daisy at all, Johnny. I mean, how did he not? He didn't even get nominated. No, I know. What a travesty is that?
2: Val Kilmer should have won Best Actor for Top Secret, and I will go to my grave saying
1: that. I like Top Secret. I like him in Top Secret. I don't like the movie per se.
2: Oh, are you fucking kidding me?
1: And I know you like when I put that clip on my Facebook thing. Here's the, here's the thing. If they'd stuck to the whole Val Kilmer thing, like maybe being like a sixties rock star and maybe done kind of a parody of the Elvis films, I think it would have killed. I think it would have gone through the roof. The fact that they didn't pick a genre to spoof. I
2: think it still, I think that's what
1: I I think think it kills really hurts. Now, but here's the crazy thing:
2: it, was it holds up.
1: It holds up remarkably well. So but I just went back and watched the Naked Guns. Boy, did those age badly.
2: I don't know. I watched the first Naked Gun less than a year and a half ago, and I still fucking loved every second of it.
1: I, I, I like Leslie Nielsen. Maybe they need to see the other two, but I just that whole beginning, which at the time was so timely of him taking on the old world leaders. It's just like. The problem with that is half the people don't even know who those people are. So that's what kind of dates it.
2: No, but I I agree with you, but they they make movies like that now, but they oh, pale. It's not even close. I won't even watch them. The Zucker brothers were masters of that well, genre.
1: You got them and you got their buddy Jim Abrams. And you know how they got their start, right?
2: Uh, you ever, Pre-Kentucky Fried movie?
1: You ever see that?
2: Uh, oh, come on.
1: Really? <laughs> well, I wasn't sure. Let's be truthful. That is like, it's an interesting film. It's that awesome. Whole, that, but the best part is that whole ripoff of... Um,
2: Enter the Dragon?
1: The oh my God, that is hilarious. That is like literally one of the funniest things I have ever seen in my life. Like if they had just done that, that movie would have been like awesome. And, and, but it's got some interesting parts to it. But, oh, my God, that hands down is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life.
2: Kentucky Fried like, movie is phenomenal. I love the first Naked Gun. Top Secret, though, honestly, Top Secret and Airplane are my two favorites. By oh, no, me. no, no,
1: no, no, no. Airplane. Oh, my God.
2: Man. Do you know, here, here's a trivia question for you, Movie Go Master. Do ahead. you Go know ahead. what the original title of Airplane was?
1: No, but do you know what film it was based on?
2: Airport 77.
1: Okay. Well, it was based on a film called Zero Dark Hours, I think, and it was a disaster film from the fifties.
2: Okay, no, no, no I, know, I know what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, that's where they got the idea from. But original I know the title,
2: though, and the theater owners voted uh, this out. The original well, title of Airplane was Free Popcorn.
1: That would have been awesome.
2: But you can see why it wasn't allowed to oh, happen because back uh, on the old school marquees, you can't just post free popcorn.
1: People would come in there and want free popcorn Exactly
2: That's why Zucker, Abram, Zucker Are fucking geniuses
1: Oh that movie alone oh, totally, totally that, that, That's one for the vaults dude That's one that you're like Damn how did you pull that off Cause I mean you got, you got all these people Who weren't comedians Being comedic And from what my brother was telling me The Bridges brothers loved the fact that their dad was in that And that he was sniffing glue that he was a pill head that he was an alcoholic because they said he was the most straight-laced guy you'd ever meet that lloyd bridges was just a straight arrow and that they love the fact that their dad played this guy that just did everything under the sun
2: i love that movie in fact i might it's horror movie month so i probably have to watch some horror movies tonight actually i know i do but i really want to throw airplane on right now have you seen it tyler
0: I've seen it, but it's been quite a while. So.
1: It's it's a classic. It's, it is. But speaking of horror movies, I'm not a big fan, and I'm going to tell you why. And this of is horror okay. movies. I'm not, and I'll tell you why. Please. Okay, because here's the inherent problem with all of them. So you get this entity, be it supernatural, be it human, being a combination of the two, and they're just like this perfect killing machine. They're just wiping everything out, right? You get to the protagonist, and all of a sudden, they go stupid. And all of a sudden, they get, like, addle-brained. And, and, and then, then they get killed, which is the only reason I like the Halloween movies is because Michael doesn't go stupid when he takes on Lori. He goes toe-to-toe with her, and she totally earns the win because she goes toe-to-toe with him, and she beats him at his own game. And that's why I love the Halloween movies, at least the first two so much because he didn't go stupid, and he should have pulled it off, and he damn near did. And I was kind of surprised you hadn't either seen Halloween 2 or were familiar with it.
2: Wow, calling me out. Talk about being researched. No, no, I, I, I'm i familiar with it. I'm a Jason guy, and I, I'm going to watch Halloween 2 tonight. Actually, that might open Horror Night tonight, but I'm a Jason I, guy, I, and the fact you like that you think about the dumbness of the characters, oh my god, I love how stupid those fuckers are.
1: But it just gets so old. I mean that's what makes that's what makes the people in Halloween so great because they're not stupid. They're just typical teenagers. Hey Tyler, have you ever seen Halloween too?
0: I have not. Hey Man. Tyler, have you ever seen Halloween? <laughs> I have. Okay.
1: okay. <laughs> now here's the beauty of Halloween too, and this is the single biggest reason I can recommend it. Is so everybody who's seen Halloween knows Loomis shoots. They I heard I heard I heard there's a there's a flaw in that movie which he shoots him six times but you hear seven clicks. I don't know if that's true or not. That's what I heard. So you know they they cut to the scene and and he's falling off the balcony. So where two opens up which is brilliant which is the master stroke which makes it one of my favorite movies even though it's not as good as the original was then we cut to the lawn, and he's gone. And it picks up exactly where Halloween left off. Okay. and And follows it to a totally logical conclusion. And to be honest with you, really should have ended it after two. After you see two, it's like, man, how the heck did they make the other Halloween films featuring Michael Myers? Since you haven't seen it, I don't want to ruin it for you. See it, tell me about it, and if you like, bring me back on, and we can talk about it.
2: Oh, I, I can tell you, Ben, after this episode, we, we are definitely having you back on. I mean, we say that to every guest, but we've meant that to every guest. Absolutely. My my dad was on, Ben. Did you listen to that episode?
1: No, I, I should probably. Tell your dad I said hi.
2: I will next time I talk to him. Actually, I'll, I'll text him in a couple minutes. Uh, I talked to him earlier today. But uh, no, we'd love to have you back on to talk uh, movies. Anyway, um, we're probably close to rap, Tyler, but yeah. we, we always throw in some other stuff, so
1: go ahead you've
2: named like five or six things that i definitely need to see 20 things tyler needs to see okay what else what like if you could name for me right now i don't want you to go top five movies of all time i don't want you to go top five 70s just five things you want me to watch that's what i want to hear
1: okay do you like john (laughs) kuzak yes have you seen the sure thing
2: I know the title, but no, I don't think I have.
1: Man, every nobody has seen the Sure Thing. Is it eighties? Yes. Okay. I figured it was. It it is my mission in life to get people to like that movie. It's got this really eighties, classic eighties setup in which it is, and and here's the cool thing: it's got a really good cast. It's got him. It's got Anthony Edwards when he still had hair. So that tells you how long ago it was.
2: Pre uh, pre Revenge of the Nerds or, or post. Post. Okay.
1: Or r- roughly the same time period. It's like 85. Revenge of the Nerds is what, 84, I think? Yeah. So yeah, it's post Revenge of the Nerds. Nerds might be 83. It's got, um, it's got him, it's got Daphne Zuniga in it.
2: Ugh. Princess Vespa. Like her?
1: Yes. So the setup is, is him and um, Anthony Edwards are best friends. They're going off to college. He's going to an Ivy League school. They don't really say what Ivy League school it is. You could maybe say Harvard. Princeton. They don't really – it could be Princeton. It's, prob- I'm thinking it's I'm thinking it's one of the New England schools, to be honest with you, but they don't really say. And then they sort of hint that Anthony Edwards' character is going to UCLA, but they don't flat out say it. So what happens is, is he's in a slump. He can't score. He goes to this um, Ivy League school, and he's just having the worst luck John Kuzak's character is. So the premise of the movie, and how 80s is this, is Anthony Edwards says, if you come to California, I'll get you a sure thing. No questions asked, no strings attached. She'll sleep with you. And guess who the sure thing is? Nicolette Sheridan. Ouch. Nicolette Sheridan, an 18-year-old Nicolette Sheridan. So how double ouch is that?
2: Is that pre, uh, what show is Nicolette? Not Land.
1: No. Might have been around that same time, but it was not. No, I'm thinking the of Nicole Eggert.
2: I'm sorry. Yeah. Nicola Sheridan. Okay, no. It, that's uh... that's
1: pre Knots landing. Okay, okay. Yeah. So yeah. Okay, and so basically it's about him trying to get to California to score with her. And that's all I'm going to tell you. See it. And since we like John Cusack, am I, and, am I safe in assuming? Oh, God. What's that move that everybody has seen of his with the paper boy and give me my $2?
2: Oh, uh, really? You can't think of it? Because I know it as... Better Off Dead! Yes.
1: Better Off Dead.
2: Eli's favorite movie. Our Who's friend Eli? Eli. It's a good friend oh. of mine, Eli. It's his
0: favorite movie of all time.
1: Better I love Dead. that. Have you, have you ever seen that, Tyler?
0: No, I've never seen Better Off Dead. Um, I watched the show Better Off Ted, which I assume is kind of a play on that. Tyler also watched a porno Better Off Head. <laughs> well, it's...
1: Well, or was he, in better, was he in Better Off Head? We don't know. Oh, no, I know.
0: I don't think that's him.
1: Okay, so you've seen that. Okay. That's John
0: so, Tusack's.
1: <laughs> there you go. Or Tutush, Tush. We could go there, too. Um, have you ever seen Gregory's Girl?
2: Jesus, no. This is why I asked you this question, dude. I don't ever want a top ten from you. I want – this is what I want. Tell me about Gregory's Girl.
1: So Gregory's Girl is this Scottish film. It's done by a Scottish filmmaker by the name of Bill Forsyth. Did you ever see uh, – Oh, man, God, what was that other movie that he did in the 80s? That he, did, he did a couple of movies. I'll have to drop on you that you might have to see. So Gregory's Girl is this really amazing Scottish film. It's about this guy. He's on the soccer team, and he's had a growth spurt. And so he's no longer effective as the team's goal scorer. And he gets his very first crush on the girl who takes his place on the soccer team. And it's just this wonderful mix of like really odd British humor. I'll give you an example. This kid's walking around in a penguin costume and he gets stopped every five minutes and told to go to a different room. That's all he does.
2: (laughs) This is right up Tyler's alley because Tyler loves British humor and British. Um,
1: um, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you the name of the other movie of his that you should check out. That's also very, very good that a lot of people haven't seen. Hold on one second. I'm going to get that guy's name, but no, it's, um, it's excellent. It was voted like top number 29 of the top 10 high school films of all time. Local hero. That's another one I'll tell you about here in a second. All right. So it's voted like number 29 of the top high school movies of all time. It's just excellent. What was number one? I, you know, I'd have to look you it can't, up. You can't wanted, give me
2: a 29 and not give me a 10 <laughs> through one.
1: I, I, I want to say number one was say anything.
2: I did. That would Which be up there. So, that would be up there for me. That's a great
1: really? movie. Really? It's so overrated. It's so overrated. The best high
2: school movie of all time is still to this day is either The Breakfast Club or Ferris Bueller's Day Off.
1: Agreed. Agreed. Both
2: written and directed by the same guy.
1: Oh okay. God! What a what a shame that was. He gave up writing and directing. John Hughes. God, I miss him. And I but, might uh,
2: have to go Breakfast Club as more realistic high school, and Ferris Bueller as the high school I wish I lived.
1: Well, who didn't want to be Ferris Bueller? Everybody yeah, wanted to, be, wants Ferris to be Ferris Bueller. But you know what? You got to like 16 candles. You can't love 16 candles. I I, I got to put...
2: 16 candles. I actually I'm a, I like pretty in pink.
1: Ugh. <laughs> can't do it. Can't can't do it. But no, I was getting back to say anything. My problem with say anything is Ione Sky. God, she was awful. Just awful. She like, wasn't
2: she wasn't great.
1: OK, and she throws off the whole movie like I don't buy her as a brain. And the scene that I use, because I've written an essay about this, hopefully I can get it. My whole thing with her is so there's that great scene where she's in the IRS office talking to Philip Baker Hall. Now, there's a great actor talking about, well, I thought if I wore grown up clothes, you would take me seriously. She's wearing a white button up shirt with the white collar, a pink mini skirt and kids. Really? Those are your idea of grown-up clothes? Couldn't you have worn your graduation dress? Everyone or...
2: loved Keds in the 80s, dude.
1: No, but I'm saying, you're going to the IRS, you're wearing a pink miniskirt, a white button-up shirt, and Keds, and you consider those grown-up clothes, and you've gotten, an, uh, you've gotten a scholarship to, a, to Oxford? Really? Really? That, that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the high school valedictorian? Maybe I'm missing something here. I don't know. But I just have always thought that movie was overrated. So you're judging,
2: your, you're judging her brains based on her outward appearance? Come on, Ben. We don't not do that only in that, 2015.
1: <laughs> I do that in 2015 because I'm not politically correct. Oh, it, it's but, not about
2: being political. Never mind. No, go to, go to your next movie. <laughs> that was awesome. Sorry.
1: Well, it is. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm not going to go on a whole spiel about political correctness. I'm not saying that she's not smart. I'm saying somebody who's the valedictorian, who has been trained how to be socially aware, someone who had the wherewithal to become all this, would know that you dress like a, like a professional. You don't go there in high school clothes. That's why I question her intelligence. But maybe that was the whole point of the movie, is that she'd been guided by her father, so therefore she didn't have that stuff. The other film I was talking about was Local Heroes, which is another British film. It's got Peter Riegert. I don't know if you know who that is. He was, I believe, Boone in uh, Animal House.
2: Okay, I definitely know who Boone in Animal House is.
1: He's the, he's the one that was going out with Karen Allen's character, correct? Yes. Okay, it's that guy. So he goes to Scotland. He works for an oil company, and his job is to buy up this this part of Scotland so they can mine it, so they can get the oil there. It's got him. It's got Burt Lancaster in it. It's wonderful. It's not quite as good as Gregory's Girl, but it's still pretty likable. And that came out in eighty three.
2: Dude, you were just like mining the, the this is great. Okay. Before we wrap, give us one yes. more movie that everyone listening to Bitface should watch. Like, think think about your general audience, Ben. Think about what we all would like. Give us one just pick out 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 of the apple tree, if you will. Jeez.
1: Oh wow, well, I already gave you a couple um you gave
2: us tons tonight you you gave us you gave us a uh, lot. I, I'm asking you for one more
1: of course you are um golly see now now, now you're putting me on well
2: hey it's, I, nice I, I, it's
1: not one that everybody should see, but it's one that i enjoy die hard
2: ah uh, that's Honestly, as soon as my sister will let my 11 year old nephew watch that, and I think it's going to be this Christmas, we are going to watch that together because that's one of my and, favorite movies of all time.
1: And, and the only reason is, is think of how inf- that is like the quintessential act. I mean, they're still trying to remake that movie. I mean, the influences of that movie is just. They've remade amazing. it
2: like 35 times. Under Siege was I'm, good.
1: That's another good one. Um, well, and, that's another, die hard. Um, and another one. Another one that you can you can you can't go wrong with, and even though I'm not a fan of his, The Rock. Because that's the last time you get to see Sean Connery, sort of James Bond-esque.
2: Yeah, because Chuck kind of fell apart for the old Connery man after that. It wasn't his last movie, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen.
1: It was. And yeah. the only reason he and the only reason he did League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and this is something to ponder, guys, think about this, how this would have impacted movie history. He was offered both The Matrix and Lord of the Rings. And he turned them both down.
2: Was he going to, what, Scottish Gandalf? No, thank you. They they made a good decision there.
1: (laughs) No, they didn't have a choice. He turned it down. Why would they want, oh, my God. Marquee value, marquee value.
2: Fuck that, they got Ian McKellen.
1: I know, but he didn't have any marquee value at the time. Now he's Magneto and Gandalf. Exactly. And you, I got an interesting story about him. I'll tell you here in a second. Now, but can you picture this? He would have been, he would have had the, um, oh, what's his face? He would have had the, uh, the lead role, the, the. oh, the black actor. What is his name? Um, Who was the guy in uh, The Matrix? Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne. Thank you. He would have had the Lawrence Fishburne role. He would have been good at that. Think about that. Can't you picture him saying those Morpheus? lines? yes
0: he would be i think looking at it like totally from an outside perspective he would have been good i think he would have been really
1: good he would have been an awesome
0: but can you picture sean connery as cowboy curtis
2: that is my real question
1: well that's that's true can you picture him as mr clean in apocalypse now Ooh. see did you know that
2: Fishburne's in apocalypse now so is harrison ford yeah
1: i know but did you that young black guy oh i know
2: Come on dude i I took film classes too.
1: but so that was then you know how old Fishburne was when he made that movie 19 15 or 16.
2: Okay, yeah, I knew he was young as shit
1: but um but uh yeah, so there you go. all
2: right well, we're gonna uh we're gonna wrap here in the big cave Ben you have to come back to talk to us. I can well, Tyler hasn't said a word tonight. I, I can tell by the look on his face how much he has enjoyed. This episode, and I have
0: thoroughly enjoyed it. No, look, well, anytime is- you guys
1: want me back, I'm a willing conspirator, as they say.
0: So, I, I may not have said a lot. Um, I've enjoyed listening a whole ton. This has practically well, been you. a podcast that I'm just going to listen to, even though I've already <laughs> listened to it in person. But- well... You know, when you come back, Ben, um, I'll give you I'll give you my top five movies of all time. We should do that yeah, in I don't... like a, we should do like a December episode. The and three then, of us. Yeah, and then you can give That's... me some stuff because a lot of my stuff, to be honest, is it's not really new, uh, but it's okay. But it's fairly new, so I don't I don't have a lot of these same old movies, classic movies that
1: I've watched. But I, I have an advantage over you. I'm a lot older than you. You know, I took some film classes. Did you take some film classes? No, I sure didn't. No, that, that doesn't.
0: Ty, Tyler actually does shit. You and I took film classes. <laughs> so there it is. I, I sat there around trying to trying to break into computers when I was ten. I mean, <laughs> hey,
1: you have so he, hey Eric. He has something we don't have: a practical skill.
0: <laughs> oh no, trust
2: me, I know. Like I told you, I I think I don't think it was recorded, but nothing in the BitCave cave would happen if it wasn't for Tyler. I just show up and drink and talk movies and games
1: hey works for me but yeah definitely anytime you guys want me back i'm i'm so in and thank you it's been a privilege
2: oh i know trust me when we get offline tonight i honestly think we've talked about this offline you need your own podcast well ben. if you
1: guys could help me get that set up that we would certainly be
0: can and tyler yeah I mean, yeah we can help you no that that'll be very easy because i mean well thank you i appreciate you're doing some stuff that you you should definitely have a podcast right If you're writing uh, movie reviews, you might as well have have. a podcast.
1: I have. I've been real lucky. I I found this um, website called the Movie Network, which has been most gracious to allow me to get some of my stuff on there. And a couple of retrospectives, and a and a couple, and a new one. So, and I'm kind of surprised. The one that's getting the most traffic, believe it or not, is the Star Trek Three one, which kind of surprised me.
2: Okay, so I, I haven't, uh, I saw that today. I was at work. I haven't read it yet. So that's where people can find you? Where where can our listeners find you?
1: Well, I, so far, I've only gotten three reviews published on the Movie Network. It's under Ben Rakowski. Do um, you want me to spell that out for you? Or I guess I can send it out to you? Uh, well, it'll if, be
2: posted I, on our, uh, trust me, this will all be linked. You're good.
1: Okay, so it's uh, Ben, it's B E N, last name's Rakowski, it's R A K. And this is where it gets fun, folks. O as in other, F as in Frank, S-K-Y.
2: Oh, dude, we got your back, man. Kids today so, don't spell, Ben.
1: <laughs> so, oh, the kids today do much of anything. Don't we sound like a couple of curmudgeon old men right now?
2: Oh, we're, we're, we're both definitely curmudgeons. Hey, my so, kid's going to do plenty. So. Yeah, Tyler has a kid
1: so see, see this kid's kicking our dicks in the dirt damn T- what T- the hell's our problem Tyler has a
2: kid like titus comes over here and plays board games with me like and, he, and he's two Jeez!
1: i mean my god man you and i we gotta in the words of uh Stifler, man we gotta take our dicks out of the shrink wrap and start fucking using them
2: damn american pie one reference wow i love it um no, you have, to, uh, you have to come back and chat with us. But, uh, yeah, we, we, we are going to wrap here, though. Um, Real Bloody Halloween episode. We also have a very surprise episode coming up that I'm not going to talk about now, but Happy Accident is what we're going to call the episode. So, anyway, Ben Rakovsky, one of the best geeks I've ever met in my life. And sorry, guys, it well, wasn't you. a gaming episode tonight, but I love talking movies, if you can't tell. I almost love my movies as much as I love my games. So anyway, across from me, actually to my left, which is now the trend. Kind of the trend now. Run TRG, a.k.a. Tyler Glaze. I am Eric G. Hollis, and we are out.